Welcome back to Owls Only, the Adult Swim podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Hope, and stop being pregnant. Walk it off. And here here with me is my co-host. I'm Hunter, and I've dated girls uglier than you for breakfast. So we are talking about, um, well, I wanted to just talk, I want to talk about Welcome to Eltingville and the Eltingville Club in general, because um, recently that clip of the trivia contest in the Welcome to Eltingville pilot went viral which which led to like a lot of online discussion about eltingville and like what it means for fandom as a whole but eltingville was released on a single disc dvd as part of the adult swim in a box set on october 27th 2009 and it was called the adult swim pilots um it says it says first edition there is no second edition i wish there was but um so I always watch these pilots as one unit, just like one, two, three, four, like all five of them at once. Like just one, it's like a, it's like a movie almost. Cause it comes out to about 80 minutes. It's like watching a movie. I always just sit like, whenever I watch these, I don't go, Oh, I'm going to watch like Korgoth. I say, no, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch like the pilots, you know? Yeah. That's, that's how I watch them to prepare for this. It's, it's fun doing it like that. Like, it's just something that, it's also, like, a really fun, it's such an interesting, yeah, we're, we're talking about the Pilots DVD, which has um, the best of Totally for Teens, Cheyenne Cinnamon and the Fantabulous Unicorn of Sugartown Candy Fudge, Korgoth of Barbaria, Perfect Hair Forever, at least the first episode, and Welcome to Eltingville. This is such, all of the, um, all of the little pieces here make such a good viewing experience to just, like, put on when you're, like, with a friend. Like just let's just watch all this bullshit that's on this disc here, but um. So yeah, we're gonna be going through these pilots sort of one by one. Um, I feel like a lot of it's gonna be end up. This is gonna be end up us talking about Korgoth and Eltingville because those are the two like the real standouts here. It honestly feels like that Korgoth and Eltingville were the ones they wanted to put on DVD, and then they were like, all right, what are the other ones we can just like shove on this disc, you know? Yeah, I can see that. So the first one on here is also the only live action pilot, and it's called The Best of Totally for Teens. It's kind of like, um, it's the guy who hosts it, um, Derek Beckles. He's part of that, like, Tim and Eric, Eric Andre, like, sort of, like, click. He did, he did, um, Hot Package for Adult Swim from 2013 to 2015, and he also did um, Mostly for Millennials, which apparently is kind of like an updated version of Totally for Teens. I have not watched either of those shows. I probably could have to prepare for this, but I didn't really feel like it. Um, I think Totally for Teens is fine. What do you think about it? I think it's okay. It's my um, second least favorite one out of all of the pilots on this but i didn't dislike it what it felt like to me is it kind of felt like it had aspects of stuff like wonder shows in an eric andre show but like more watered down and not as like funny yes it is very much part of that like crop of this era of comedy. Like it is very like um, it's very inspired by like Wonder Shows in Tim and Eric, Eric Andre, all this kind of stuff. It was it would have been like a peer to those things at the time if it had come out. And I do think there's good bits here. Like I said, my opening quote is the um one little sketch with the guy going, "Stop being pregnant, walk it off." But um, it's sort of, I think it's sort of a riff on, like, teen shows of the 90s, like, stuff you'd find on, like, Nickelodeon. But that didn't really hit for me because I never watched any of those. Did you watch any of the shows this was kind of parodying? I, so there's two things I want to say. They actually get one of the, I don't know if I'd call him a star, but one of the actors from one of the Nickelodeon sitcoms is in this. Oh. I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've ever seen Victorious. I know about it. I don't think I've ever watched it. 
I watched like a very small amount of it just from it being on cable. But there's there's a kid from Victorious, I think his name is Robbie, and his whole skit is that he like walks around with this creepy puppet and he's really weird about it. He's the kid that um has to decide whether or not he's going to start smoking and he hangs out with his future selves. I that's probably my favorite bit of the episode is the future selves bit. A lot of it is sectioned into like, okay, you have the future selves bit, and then you also have the bit with the um with like the girls doing the drugs, what I thought was significantly less funny. Like I got but like I got the joke they're doing, but I was like, eh, it's fine. It's not it's not great, you know. Yeah, gr- growing up, I did see like a fair bit of like the Amanda show, all that Drake and Josh and iCarly. And I mostly liked all of those. But I feel like other than like Drake and Josh, those aren't shows I would go back to and get any enjoyment out of now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But this is sort of like a takeoff on those like 90s Nickelodeon, like teenager, like almost like game show type things. Um yeah. We do get uh we do get more Adult Swim pickles in this because pickles are a running theme with Adult Swim because you have Pickles the drummer, um Mr. Pickles from uh Mr. Pickles. You have this, like the cream-filled snacking pickles in this. And then of course you have the most infamous Adult Swim pickle, Pickle Rick. So more Adult Swim pickles here. Um, I feel like two big running things we run into a lot are Adult Swim Pickles and Adult Swim Satan. Like, there's a lot of different Adult Swim Satans, like, depictions of hell and, like, Adult Swim stuff. But, um, so, yeah, it's just, it's it's not great. <laughs> like, there really isn't that much. I, I think it's funny. I think there's funny stuff in funny stuff in here. But, like, it's nothing compared to, like, the average episode of, um, of like, Eric Andre or Wonder Shows in... I don't know if Hot Package or Mostly for Millennials is any good, but I think, but I mean, I guess I'd have to check those shows out to kind of form an opinion more on this stuff. But yeah, it's fine. It's like, it's a fun way to start it off, but it's not really much else beyond that. But, um, so the second pilot is Cheyenne Cinnamon and the Fantabulous Unicorn of Sugartown Candy Fudge. Is this your least favorite? This is my least favorite, and I have a feeling it's also yours. Yes, it is. It is my so it is my least favorite, but there's so much in here to like too, which is annoying because like it's definitely the worst one. But also, this pilot has T Pain, MF Doom, and MC Chris in it, so it's like, oh, it's so like it has such a stacked cast. Like Kirsten Shaw and Dana Snyder are also in it, like all over this thing, and like. Cheyenne Cinnamon herself was voiced by like some country singer or something like this is such an actually stacked cast for this like nonsense like upsetting pilot but um my favorite part was the I don't know if he was a gummy bear or what he was supposed to be but whoever MC Chris was supposed to be that was my favorite part of this yeah he's great this is also um the thing I kind of noticed too is that there's like running like themes on these pilots or running like like events or characters or people like um this is the first mc first pilot mc chris appears in on this disc he comes back later in a different pilot and this is also the first um matt harrigan pilot this is the first matt harrigan pilot on this disc because his other pilot is later on down the road but um so this is written by um dave willis and matt harrigan which are like obviously two like iconic william street guys like dave willis is the creator co-creator of aqua teen and co-creator of squid billy's your pretty face worked on space ghost and matt harrigan has been like a massive part of or was a massive part of adult swim until he got fired and he was on like um we got fired with the rest of william street when they gutted it but he was on like space he was on space ghost he voiced major shake and he's all over um He's like all he's all over like Fish Center and the stream and stuff like that. It's Matt Harrigan. He's like he's iconic, but he's liquor and Tolbot's Mouse. So this is like their pilot, and I feel like th- there's a point in the late. This is a tw- this pilot's 2010. Like this this actually comes out on the on the pilot's DVD before it airs on TV, which is interesting. Like this comes out on the pilot's DVD in two thousand in October 2009 before it actually airs on cable in 2010. And I feel like this is sort of the height of the William Street guys making all their shows, like, very mean, you know? 
Like yeah, definitely. Aqua Teen and Squidbillies kind of even out towards the end. Even your pretty face gets more goofy rather than like upsetting. But like this late late aughts, early tens era of William Street is them making everything they make really really mean, and this is just like it's just upsetting. Um. So the general bit of this one is that Cheyenne Cinnamon is kind of like an over-sexualized pop star who lives in like this like magical like Candyland type thing, and they juxtap- juxtapose it with like realistic horrible things. And the I don't I don't know if um she's the main character or if Kristen Shaw's character is the main character of this pilot. What do you think? I think so. Something I want to say is this feels like it should have gotten greenlit but not actually aired on tv this feels like a soul quest overdrive or king star king thing where they yes. like green light it and put like five or six episodes online and then you never see it again yes but um i think the main character is cheyenne cinnamon just because i feel like if they made more episodes the um teen girl might like have nothing to do like each episode is kind of like i think the best thing i compare it to is like an uncle grandpa type character where she goes around trying to help people but she's just terrorizing them yeah i can definitely see that um the kirsten shaw thing it's kind of hard because this is this is something that i think is it's first of all it's kind of hideous like much more than um much more than, like, because I am kind of a defender of the William Street style. I think stuff like 12-Ounce Mouse looks really cute. I think Aqua Teen looks good and is really funny with the way they use animation. But this is just, like, horrible to look at, you know? Um, yeah, I I think Lucy, Daughter of the Devil, is much more appealing, like, 3D CG than this. Yeah, this is this looks very Lucy, um, but Lucy's better than this. But, um... Although I do, like, I I remember, this is the one I always hated when I revisited this, like, disc. But every time I go back to it, I kind of like it more and more just because there's so many good jokes in it. Um, But yeah, so the basic plot of this episode is um, Cheyenne Cinnamon goes on an adventure with this um, teenage girl voiced by Kirsten Shaw, a.k.a. like Mabel from Gravity Falls and Louise Belcher and all these other iconic characters. And this horrible, this girl who's, like, horrific looking, too. She's, like, her design is, like, awful. Like, her design is just so, just, like, oh, my God. And this poor girl's been, like, basically molested by her softball coach. And she's pregnant. And she doesn't, and, like, her parents are kind of mad about it. I think one of the better bits in this is that Dana Snyder's, like, her dad that's voiced by Dana Snyder is just, like, more concerned about the softball season. I think that's, like, I think that bit's really funny. Um, or like Dana Snyder is like he's more defensive with a softball coach than he is of his daughter because he's just like so into sports. I think that stuff is funny with like the dad. Um, but yeah, it is just very, very dark. Like there's a scene where she sees um they're like looking through I don't, I, this one like I watched it last night and a lot of it has left my brain except for like some specific like jokes and other parts of it but there's a part where they're like looking through um like a like a port like a kind of like a seeing mirror or something like that and they're like what do you see and she's like it's my boyfriend coach like whatever the coach's name is and he's just like he's showing this girl how to swing a baseball bat and he's just like humping her and it's like oh this is just unpleasant you know like it's funny, but it's just like so unpleasant as like a TV show. Like I think is... Good. Sorry. Um I think like I said earlier this feels like it should have been a thing like to some extent but not really on TV. I think maybe if this got greenlit it could have gotten better like as they figured out what they wanted to do with it, but a lot of the stuff in here is just really like depressing and upsetting. Yeah, like this has also been that's also been why I have a bit of a harder entry point with Squidbillies and why I don't like it as much as the other adult swim shows because um it is kind of the same thing where Squidbillies kind of makes me feel bad for a lot of the characters. Whereas like I feel like Aqua Teens and like your pretty face and 12 ounce mouse all have like even though 
horrible shit happens to all those characters either it they keep the tone completely goofy or the characters kind of deserve it and it makes me feel less bad but here i'm just like oh god like this is just like dark like it's like i i don't want to watch a full season about these characters you know it's, it's just like ugh. but i think it's funny for what it is which is like a little short essentially you know what the um design of i don't know her name the Kristen shawl character her design reminds me of Huh. She has this. I don't know if you would know this because you didn't watch Cartoon Network a lot growing up, but she has like the same kind of head and body shape of the nudes, which yeah. are these little those little mascots that they would like paint like Chowder or Flapjack or whoever. They just paint the different characters' faces over them. Yeah, she does look like that. I think a lot of the characters in here kind of look like that. Like it's it's like also kind of what Lucy, daughter of the devil, characters look like too. Which is why this does feel like very, very like Lucy to me. Um, apparently, also on the Wikipedia for page for this, it says that this was something they aired on. They like a thing they love doing in um, like William Street cartoons is they'll have like another cartoon playing on like the TV of the characters. Like Space Ghost is on um, like the Aqua Teens TV, or like Perfect Hair is on like the Aqua Teens TV, or whatever. And apparently, this was on a lot of this is on the Squidbillies TV in a lot of episodes, which makes sense because this does feel like something. This feels like a TV program from Squid from like the Squidbillies world, you know. She also shows up as, like, a poster and, like, a necklace that one of the characters is wearing. They kind of throw her into a lot of the Squidbillies episodes as little, like, cameos and Easter eggs around the time that the pilot was, like, new. That's interesting because she does almost feel kind of, like, part of that very, like, trashy, like, white, like, underground, like, world that the squid that the squid billy like inhabit so i it makes more sense for her to show up in that stuff than it does and maybe even like aqua team like it does that just like tracks for me like it just makes sense in my brain but um yeah mf doom is in this oh fuck this is also the first cartoon on this pile with mf doom in it because he also is all over perfect hair forever although he doesn't show up in the episode that's on this disc this is still the first cartoon that will have mf doom in it um on this like fucking pilot disc here like i do like this kind of sense of consistency throughout the pilots of like all these recurring things that keep coming back but um okay so do you have anything else to say about giant cinema before we move on um i guess i'll just say my overall thoughts is i kind of have the same thing with you where i think the first time i watched this i hated it but this time when i watched it i found things i liked i was like yeah the mc chris character is good there are like good little jokes and moments like this does grow on me as yeah. more time passes yeah but i still don't particularly like it no yeah me neither um so god they really they do not start off strong on this disc like totally for teens and shine cinnamon are like far and away the worst two ones on here and that's what they like start you off with but i think it's worth it for like the hour of gold that comes after it so the next show on here is Korgoth of barbaria which is far and away the most infamous adult swim pilot like by far um so Korgoth the Barbaria is a show it's a huge riff on like Conan the Barbarian it's about like um the show which I never really noticed I guess I did but I probably forgot is the show is post-apocalyptic and it's sort of like the entire world has gone to shit and reverted back to like a medieval like stage but they still have like you know like chewing gum and jukeboxes and stuff like that and then Korgoth is just like this huge like giant like monster of a man that goes around the like goes it's like roams around the earth just like killing monsters and shit like that um what did you think of Korgoth Korgoth is by far my favorite pilot on this disc and probably one of my favorite unproduced pilots ever. Yep. It's just so good. Um, do you know who Aaron Springer is? I think so. He's the he's the guy who created Korgoth, and I listened to some other podcasts, and they kind of go in deeper into um like his history. His history is insane because he's like a um he was like a border uh he like storyboarded on 
tons of classic spongebob he storyboarded on the spongebob movie including like he storyboarded the entire like hungover spongebob scene um and he also boarded on he boarded and directed the band geeks episode which is the best episode of spongebob um he worked on samurai jack and he also boarded on that really good um scooby-doo movie from last year that looks insane like i remember watching that movie last year and i'm like this movie is like fucking gorgeous and has no right to look this good and it probably is like has something to do with him and that's all that's also the movie that like finally canonizes um lesbian velma but um so he has like an incredible career but um yeah so this is like his first attempt at creating like a full like show and it is unbelievable how good this show looks like animation wise and um it's also it's 22 minutes the other two were 11 minutes this is a full 22 minutes and this is like this is full-on like cartoon daytime cartoon network like fox cartoon level like animation like this is far beyond what adult swim like this comes out around 2000 i think they ordered this in 2005 and it comes out around 2006 this is far beyond what adult swim was capable of producing back then you know yeah um so this is actually like so this is not part of the original there's like a kind of a weird crop of pilots that come up in like the um they're developing before Adult Swim really became a thing, which include like weird ones, like the Groovinians, which is awful, and I'm glad it's not on here. Um, like the Finkel Files, and then Eltingville is part of that crop of pilots. But this, I always thought Korgoth was part of that crop. But Korgoth comes actually later, and it kind of comes post like Venture Brothers, when they're like, okay, we want to start doing more ambitious stuff with this network, and Korgoth is one of the first things they try to like really. Because, like, Venture Brothers is the first time they expand outside of, like, the Adult Swim mold, I think. They kind of established with the original, like, lineup. But this is the first time they really, like, shatter that mold. And it is incredible. Like, this show is amazing looking, you know? The show um, does look really good. Something, I think... I don't mean to say this to shit on modern shows because I'm a huge advocate for like watching a lot of the newer shows and liking them. Yeah. But people people still kind of want this to get made, I think. And I don't think you can make this and have it be the same or have it be as good today. I don't think so either, especially because I don't know if anything would give this much budget to a show like this anymore. But also, I want to talk about how this show really spun off, like, not even in terms of people that worked on it, but like the this show is feels like it's influenced so many things that have come on Adult Swim after it, that I feel like its niche has sort of been filled. And I feel like we don't really need any more of Korgoth, because the whole drama with Korgoth was that um, apparently they announced they're going to make a full season of it. And then just never said anything again about that. And then like four years later, after like a million fan petitions, they just aired a bump explaining like why various pilots didn't get picked up. When it got to Gorgoth, they just said too expensive, which does make sense. Like this is a very expensive looking pilot. But um, I think that so much of this show becomes so many modern cartoons, like so many elements of this you can feel and stuff like super jail primal especially king star king especially and like tig tone and even disenchantment they feel like all these different shows have these elements of Korgoth in them with like the the fantasy setting like the hyper violence the hyper like sexualization the like the badass main character and it's kind of like disgusting gross lackeys you know like go ahead Sorry, when I was watching this, I was thinking, I didn't think of Tigtone, which admittedly is probably because I didn't watch very much of it, but I was thinking, like, we get we get this show in spirit through, like, Kingstar King and Primal and Super Jail. We get aspects of this show in other shows. Exactly. I feel like the big three that are really, like, just this show but kind of different are, like, Primal... Kingstar King and um 
and Tigtone. Because Tigtone especially is very, like, Tigtone looks like Korgoth. But, like, at least, like, it, like the character design looks like, of Tigtone looks like the character design of Korgoth. But, um, yeah, this show is just fucking incredible. Um, I did not realize, I did not realize, like, last time how much, like, heavy metal influences, like, the intro of the show. The intro is, like, very heavy metal, and I think it's so cool. Um, also, I love, the intro's, the show's really funny, too, because I feel like, the big thing that people love about this show is that it's so badass because it is badass, but people forget also the show is really, really funny. Like this might be the funniest pilot on here. Um, Like during that, just during that like intro sequence alone, with, like the heavy metal, you have like a shot of just like all these Korgoth doing all these badass things. And then a shot of like a deer drinking in a meadow. Then Korgoth walks up and just rips its head off with his teeth. And then you just have, like, a shot of Korgoth just sitting at a bar drinking with, like, the heavy metal playing in the background with just, like, this haunted look on his face. So fucking funny. Um, it also has an amazing cast, too. Um, Diedrich Bader voices Korgoth, and he goes on to do Batman after this, and this is just his Batman voice. Like, this is just the same voice he does for Batman on, like, the Harley Quinn show, which is funny. Um... The lackeys are voiced by uh, voiced by Tom Kenny and and um, John DiMaggio. Was, I feel like even some parts of the show almost feel like Adventure Time too. Do you get do you get those kind of vibes from this? Yeah, especially with the like post apocalyptic D and D like parody or inspired thing it's going for. Yeah, like all that stuff. Plus, just hearing a lot of um, John DiMaggio. Tom Kenny. Yeah, Tom Kenny and John DiMaggio screeching. That also makes it feel like Adventure Time. But, um... So yeah, the basic plot is that these guys have to bring Korgoth to their master, who's just, like, this, like, giant, like, this fat green guy. And he poisons Korgoth by putting, like, a, um... Like a parasite into, like, the gravy that he feeds him. And he ha Korgoth has to go retrieve this golden goblin from this wizard who apparently died... And it's so the the green guy can pay his rent, which is really funny because they're in like this weird post-apocalyptic universe and they still have fucking rent to pay, which I think is very amusing. Um But yeah, so the so they go on like this quest and like they meet um like a, he sends he sends ten of his best men and two of the um two of like ten of his strongest men and two of the weaker ones just for fun and then like they almost all die except for like the two like the Tom Kenny and the um John DiMaggio characters which are like the funniest parts of this I think but um we also the big thing about this is the bar fight which is kind of like the big thing people remember from this because the bar fight is incredible like Korgoth just grabs the top of that guy's hair and rips his entire front half of his skin off so funny um but yeah they go to like the wizard thing and there's like there's i totally forgot about the pigeons in this did you remember the birds no i didn't like i completely forgot they go to like this they go to the um the castle and they have like this like this army of giant birds but they don't reveal to you that they're giant until they drop down next to them which is kind of like a good like perspective joke but they have to like they have to get on top of the giant birds and fly them up to the castle which was like this whole sh whole sequence is so funny but they get to the castle and um it's this wizard called speculees i don't know i don't remember who voices him but he comes back he's supposed to, he was supposed to be dead but he's just on vacation and um he fights Korgoth with like he turns he like makes this like chewing gum monster, which is disgusting. Like the part where he um like puts the chewing gum monster puts like her tongue through Korgoth's entire skull, that felt like King Star King to me, or like Super Jail. Like, yeah, that really does give off King Star King vibes. Like just it was just like so disgusting. But, um, and then he does fight Speculees. Oh, I do love, like, the funniest part of this pilot for me is, um, when they, they get the Golden Goblin, which is kind of like the statue that the green guy wants Korgoth to get for him. And it just starts, like, breakdancing, and then Speculees, like, doing, like, his little, like, Cornholio dance along with it. So funny. Like... That's that... one of the things I remember the most about this whenever, because I only watch this once every couple of years, but I always remember that when he gets it, it just starts doing a little stupid dance. 
Yeah. And I think also um, one of the big one of the biggest differences between this show and a lot of Adult Swim shows on at the time is that the show is very like joke and anim. It's shows very animation driven, whereas a lot of Adult Swim shows are very script driven because they have like very limited animation. But this show has the budget to just like time out like jokes like that, like Speculi's doing a little cornholio dance or Korgoth just like ripping off that guy's like entire front half of his skin or like the bird like pecking that one guy in half like they have the budget to just like do these kind of these kind of like really complex animation jokes that you can't really do in something like aqua teen hunger force even though aqua teen does make the best with its animation and make like really funny jokes with its with its limited animation this is able to pull off like gags with animation that you can't really do in a lot of like typical like low budget adult swim shows but... Something else about this is that um, this I always think this is eleven minutes, but it's twenty two minutes, and it feel it goes by so fast. When it ends, I'm just like, is that really it? Is it over already? Yeah, I love the ending of this too, where um he gets he brings the the gold goblin back to the green guy, and the green guy gives him the antidote, but it's a prescription, and he has to carry around like a hundred more bottles of the antidote. I thought that was really funny. Like I always forget about that joke, and I think that's one of the funniest jokes of the episode. And they even have like the little fourth wall break where it's like it might take a couple seasons to take full effect. So funny. Like I fully understand why Adult Swim didn't make this because they do not have the budget to make shows like this now, but I honestly do feel like stuff like Primal nowadays is kind of like, is what this show eventually kind of turned into because we really don't, like, I love this show. This pilot is iconic and is one of the most iconic Adult Swim pilots ever, but, like, we don't really need, like, a full season of this. You know, like, we have all these different shows that take on the spirit of this show. I think this is a perfect little thing as it is. But what do you think about that? I I agree. Like, if we never got, like, Super Jail or Kingstar King or Primal, if we never got any of those, I would kind of still be wanting this to be a thing. But we we basically get, like, different aspects of this in spirit through enough stuff that it makes me happy. Yeah, definitely. Um... But yeah, this, yeah, great, great pilot. It's one of the best ones. Um, do you have anything else to say about Korgoth before you move on? Do I? No, I don't think so. I love this pilot. That's it. Same. We can also go back to that, too, if we want to talk, think of stuff we want to talk about more. So moving on, um, the next pilot is Perfect Hair Forever, which is not a pilot. It's, it is a full show with, like, 10 episodes. So I don't know why it's on here as a pilot, but whatever. Um... This is the second Matt Harrigan pilot on this disc and also the second show to feature Doom, even though he's not in this specific episode. Um, Perfect Hair Forever is they I remember they promote I remember they promoted it during the History of Adult Swim um event in 2017. They called this one that William Street employee voiced show, because that's what it was. This was very much just the guys at William Street dicking around and making something they thought was really, really funny. And I think that it is kind of impenetrable for a lot of people unless they have that context and unless they're like big fans of William Street as like a whole, you know, like unless if you don't know who Mike Lazo is, then Perfect Hair Forever is not going to be like entertaining to you, I think. But yeah, it... this is good. This is one of those like. I'm trying to think of how to word it, but you have to, like, it's almost like a litmus test of how big of an adult swim fan you are. Not necessarily if you like it or not, but just if you get it or not. Yes. Like, um, so much of this is also just like the joke is being familiar with adult swim people. Like the voice of Gerald Baldzi is Kim Manning, who's a woman who has literally scheduled adult swim since it's, since it's like beginning up until now. Like she just like makes the schedules and that she's voicing like Gerald in this, which is like hilarious. Um, But 
I remember when I was, I discovered the show when I was 15 and I thought it was the single funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life. I loved it so much and I still like it a lot, but I don't love it quite as much as I did when I was younger. Um, this is one of those adult swim shows that has every episode has, has a different um, intro and end credit scene, which is a thing that I love with adult swim shows that kind of happens a lot. Um, I feel like unfortunately with this show the biggest problem is that it's just outshined so much when game Usedu comes out because game Usedu was just like the uh, i mean game Usedu is a very different show from this but the idea of like anime parody made by william street is just done a million times better in game Usedu, i think i even maybe this doesn't apply as much but i always saw this as similar to 12 ounce mouse just with how much like pure fucking nonsense it is and the way the humor is presented yes this is very this is like this is similar to Hobbit's Mouse if it didn't have like a real plot whatsoever if it was just bullshit like this show is I think it might be the single most nonsensical Adult Swim show because there is really like no rhyme or reason to anything that happens in this it is just like random shit happening the whole time which is very funny but um I talk about this on the Game of Sedu episode with Max, but or I, think, I think I did. But I think that um, this too comes from a much different understanding of anime because this is made by like Gen Xer Adult Swim guys who, I mean, I don't want to discredit like their taste in anime because they do like help bring like Cowboy Bebop and Fooly Cooly like to America. So I don't want to like, you know, say they don't know shit about anime, but this is like very much of the um like Dragon Ball, Sailor Moon, Pokemon anime parodies. Whereas Game Usedu is something that is clearly made by someone who grew up with like Crunchyroll at their fingertips, you know? Like Game Usedu is made by someone who has like a much deeper understanding of anime and what makes it like stupid and what makes it like fun. Whereas this does feel like a this does feel like a bit dated parody of an anime in comparison. I feel like this almost feels like an anime parody made by people who know what anime is, and Game Usaru is an anime parody made by someone who watches anime. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, Perfect Care Forever, you probably know what it is if you've watched this. My biggest realization is that um, Uncle Grandfather and Quafio are rusty in the Monarch because one is a more fit version, like the the evil one is the more fit version of the um, of the protagonist or the protagonist's like father figure, and the evil one also has hair while the protagonist is like bald, so. It's it really is like a monarch rusty scenario with these two, which I thought was very amusing when I came up with that. I wonder if anyone else is I wonder if anyone else has pointed that out before. Like, especially now we know like about like who the monarch and rusty really are after the Venture Brothers movie. I wonder if anyone has watched Perfect Hair Forever and be like, hey, this is just the monarch and rusty. Um we have Catman in this episode. Catman, who sounds like H. John Benjamin, but he is not H. John Benjamin. Does it always trip you up, too, when you watch this? Yeah, especially when I was watching it, like, two or three days ago to prepare for this. I was like, oh, there's H. John Benjamin. And it's like, oh, no, it's not. It sounds so much like him, but it's not him, and it's really weird. It's such a weird, like, performance. I don't know who who does that voice, but it is, like, crazy. I feel like he must be trying to do an H. John Benjamin voice. But, um, yeah, Space Ghost cameos in this. He's in every episode. We love Space Ghost. Um, I love the dedication of making, like, a third of this pilot the dumbass credits. Um, with the wacky waving inflatable arm wailing tube guy. Iconic. Like I at the credits, the, the the music of this show was really like the the biggest reason to watch it, I think, because the music is really good. Which is also another thing that happens in Game of Saturday, the music in that show is really good. But um yeah, we I mean we love Perfect Care Forever, like we love it for all its flaws. It's not the best, but I think it's something that is really, really funny if you're in the mood for it. Um, do you have anything else to say about Perfect Care Forever before we move on to Eltingville? I'll sum up my thoughts. I think I have the same thing going on as you where like in high school and the first like couple years after I graduated, I thought this show was hilarious and I watched it like several times over and showed it to other people. Now when I come back to it, 
I just think it's all right. I don't think it's bad. I don't hate it. And I have like a lot of respect for it and the background behind it. But something about this episode specifically is I think this is one of the weaker, if not the weakest episodes. It might be just because it's the one I've seen the most. But whenever yeah. I watch Perfect Hair Forever, I always start getting like way more into it once you get to like the second episode and it starts going. Same. It also doesn't help that three minutes of this are that fucking credit song, too. Like, that makes it a lot slower, too. Um, We could talk about, like, the like the history of it with, like, the Squidbillies fake out, but I don't really want to, because I just want to talk about Eltingville. So we'll go back to Perfect Hair Forever on a different episode or something. But, um... So the main reason I wanted to do this was because I wanted to talk about um, Welcome to Eltingville or Eltingville Club in general because um, so that this was created by comic artist Evan Dorkin, who is like he's this insanely talented guy. He makes all these different comic series. He wrote him and his wife wrote on Space Ghost a lot like they were Space Ghost writers and they also helped come up with the idea for Harvey Birdman. Like I think they came up with the idea. I think they I think they wrote the episode where Birdman is like filling in for space ghost you know that's a good episode yeah and i think their idea for harvey birdman was to make it like like i feel like they had, i think they had an idea for a harvey birdman show for adult swim and the idea was gonna be that he's just like homeless and just like is slowly dying throughout the season which is kind of amusing but um so yeah evan dorkin and his wife sarah dwyer were um like writers on space ghost and then he's also making his like comics um for like magazines for like their his own like published comics stuff like that done by dark horse and then um they come up to he's also one more thing before i get to this he wrote evan dorkin wrote on superman the animated series where he created the superman villain livewire which is kind of like um it's kind of similar to harley quinn in the sense that she broke off from that show and became her own character and like livewire is in the my adventures my adventures with superman show that came out this year so like evan dorkin's influence is still on this network even in things that seem totally unrelated to him because like he created livewire which is fucking crazy because i never knew that until recently but um yeah, so he created the Eltingville Club as sort of a way to um he wanted to portray nerds at like their most awful and he also created the Eltingville Club in 1994. I yesterday I had a really good not yesterday, 2 days ago, I had a maybe 3 days ago. I had a really good find where I was just kind of like I've been wanting to get this Eltingville collected edition this every like issue of Eltingville in one big book. And but it's been backordered on Amazon because after the after the trivia contest clip went viral, everyone went and started buying it. So the book kind of started selling out places. And then I just happened upon it on a like a comic book comic book store shelf. So like the amazing twist of fate has had this drop into my lap. And I read all of it. It's very quick. It's like 150 pages. So I read like the entire thing. And the comic is so, so much darker than this pilot. Like, the comic, um, it's, like, I'm the first one, like, I feel like the comic wants you to, it doesn't want you to pity the nerds, but it also, it makes you, it shows how much more pathetic they are than I think even this pilot does. Like, the comic ends, um, like, there's a bit in the in the comic where Jerry, like, the first issue where Jerry's like, guys, isn't tonight our prom? And they do nothing and just keep, like, talking. And that comic ends with all of them, like, trying and failing to jerk off. And, like, one of the bits is, I think Pete is the name of the guy with, like, the Long Island accent. Pete just, like, mentions that he's, like, watched, like, he said he watches, like, a bunch of, like, rape and mutilation scenes and, like, nothing. And I'm like, god damn, this is fucking, like, this is dark like even for, i i knew eltingville was dark but like holy shit and then um so he makes all these eltingville comics that are like very much talking about the worst aspects of fandom and the worst aspects of like nerds and really making fun of the idea that um nerds are inherently better than anyone else because nerds have the capacity to be as shitty human beings as anyone else does and so that's kind of like his thing. And then in 2014 and 2015, he releases two comics that are sort of like the end of Eltingville. And they are some of the most like 
raw emotionally affecting comics i've ever like seen in my entire life and they are just incredible like the basic idea of it is that the um the first one is the gang burns down like bill is bill who is the one who looks like me like the protagonist um not the fat one like the guy with the glasses he's put in charge of their local comic book comic book shop he immediately abuses the power his friends come in he gets to a massive fight with them which leads to the comic book store burning down and the eltingville club going their separate ways like for good and then the second comic picks up in modern day when they're all like late 20s early 30s and they're at san diego comic con and they meet up again and see how like everyone's been doing bill was still pathetic like he's as pathetic as he always was and he's still like running this like weird like comics uh, i think he's like an ebay seller or something um josh is um like a working at like a games press type thing um pete is working as like i think he's like a janitor on like a horror movie porn set and then um jerry is the only one because jerry's like the only redeemable character he's the only good one and he's he has like a decent future where um he has like a girlfriend who's kind of like a part of like a nerd talk show type thing that's on like a probably like an IGN type website and he's like a professional like Magic the Gathering player. Like Jerry's done really well for himself and throughout the issue you see like it's definitely much more about Bill because I mean this pilot but especially this comic is about how Bill is just like a monster. You know, like he's just like the worst, most horrible monster. And the comic, like the epilogue comic is about um, Bill truly having this final meltdown and like getting into a massive fight with everyone, which kind of end, which kind of leads to like, almost, they don't really specify if people actually die, but it kind of implies there's like this mass carnage at Comic-Con from all the shit they cause. But um, yeah, it is an incredible comic. It really, the comic, that comic is what makes me love this pilot more than I probably would otherwise. But what do you think of Veltingville? I think I like the pilot a lot. Something I think from what you've just said and what you've like texted me privately about the comic is that the actual animated pilot sort of takes a more comedic spin that they're like terrible people but you're supposed to laugh at it like there's a bit in the pilot i believe where they like steal a happy meal toy from a kid there's a bit where a kid is in the street and he gets run over and all they're doing is running over to him and picking up all of his trading cards and when yep. they see he doesn't have any they want they kick him and i think that's funny but i feel like from what you're saying the comic more so doesn't want you to feel bad but just wants you to like not necessarily laugh that see that that was that's that's interesting because that that's interesting because that kind of stuff you mentioned like stealing the toy from the kid and like kicking um the mc chris kid in the street that's the stuff that's in the comic that's like really dark and i feel like that's the darkest stuff they bring to the tv show where it's like you're supposed to really feel like these guys are like pieces of shit and I feel like the more um, the more TV show el like like elements of this, so when they make it more like an actual thing you'd want to watch week to week, is when they do kind of get along with each other more. Whereas in the comic, it's almost just always constant like screaming and back and forth, like yelling at each other. Whereas they can get along a little bit in this pilot, which I feel like you don't get much of in the comic. But um, yes, this is much more comedic. Um, they also do something very interesting in this pilot where they introduce like a character who's not in the comics, they introduce um Bill's sister, Jane, who's gonna be who's going to be a much bigger character if she if the show had actually like gone to series. And she's in like a little bit of the third act of this pilot. She doesn't really do much. She's in the intro, but she almost kind of she kind of reminds me of like Gaz from um Invader Zim, like Dib's sister. I see that. You get that kind of vibe from her? Yeah. Um, she was gonna be a bigger character if the show ever like got off the ground, which makes sense because um, Eltingville the comic strays very far from like a fe from like a female ca like female characters until the very end. Like 
I think the only one before that is a woman shows up in the comic shop and just like ask if they have a collected edition of like a comic or something. And they like all the men in there just stare at her for a couple seconds, then take out their phones and start taking pictures until she just like runs away. Like that's the only like until the finale comic, I feel like it's the only time the El Campo Club like even comes across like a woman. So I feel like when they wanted to do a TV show, they wanted to have maybe more of like a female point of view, which is something that like that character of Bill's sister could have provided. But um, I, yeah, so this is just like, it's an, this is also a beautiful looking pilot. It's 22 minutes. It's also animated very, very well. And did you feel like this is sort of an antiquated version of what nerds are? Yeah. Because I feel like this is very much because Evan Dorkin is like my dad's age. So Evan Dorkin is like he's like an older Gen Xer and his idea of like nerds and fandom is very much like the 80s version, 80s, like early 90s versions of nerds. And I because like I don't think they mention anime once throughout this entire pilot or this comic, whereas like the club would be like half anime now if this if this was like a modern day group of kids, you know? Something I draw a comparison to with this is I'm going to make a guilty confession. I kind of like like the really early like first season or two of the Big Bang Theory. I don't yeah. mind it. I feel like Big Bang Theory is like this concept made by someone outside of like the demographic like big bang theory is nerd culture made by someone who doesn't really get it and this is nerd culture made by someone who like gets it big bang theory like i feel like you really can't even talk about the show without talking about big bang theory so that's a good point to make but big bang i didn't even think about that but big bang theory is it is this show like sanitized but with all the edges sanded off like it is like it is this show but like so it is this show but made like so your mom could watch it you know what i mean like it's this show but made for like a general audience so they make the nerds like you know they're quirky and they're lovable but like the nerds of eltingville are supposed to be they're kind of like the anti big bang theory because big bang theory wants you to be like oh these nerds or whatever but eltingville was just like no nerds are like the most just like disgusting hate-filled creatures on earth which i fully agree with and like i'm sitting in like a room which does not which is like you know also full of fucking toys and comic books and dvds and stuff like that so like i'm i'm not saying that i don't enjoy nerd stuff everyone does but i do think this is more about like this is about like the people who like really hated the last Jedi. This is about like the restore the Snyderverse kind of people. Like it's about those kind of like really awful toxic nerds. And I feel like um, this was this was because Big Bang Theory really does change the tide. It's like Big Bang Theory and Lord of the Rings and Little Rings trilogy and the Spider Man trilogy and the Dark Knight trilogy are like what changes the tide of nerds and pop culture. So where like it's more like accepted and everyone's into nerd shit like the rise of anime too also like helps with that but this is one of the first first things that's like no nerds are nerds can be real pieces of shit and i feel like this is the first thing that really does that whereas like that's a lot of discourse nowadays because like one of the biggest things that, like one of the reasons why i wanted to do this was because there is discourse going around on twitter for people saying like oh i miss when nerds were like this but like the parts the thing about this is that i feel like um evan dorkin probably heard people say that about eltingville and which is why he went out of his way to make the final issue that as bleak as fucking possible because um like it is truly like the like it is truly disgusting, like, the lengths that the characters go to in this final, like, issue. Like, I have it open right here, and, um, like, Bill says about Jerry's girlfriend, you may, ruin, you may have ruined fandom, you and all the other cultural immigrants who invaded our territory, but you won't ruin us. This club is bitch-free. Hear that, you venom-dipped whore-cunt? This club is bitch-free. And I feel like that's is such, like, like the, the vitriol, like the misogynistic hatred that comes with so much of, like, nerd culture. I feel like that is what Eltingville is, like, really tapping into. Like, Eltingville is tapping into, like, incels before that word was invented 
you know? And I feel like nothing else is really like nothing else at the time was really doing this in such like a grossly like dark way. And I feel like nothing really has done it since. Like you people talk about how nerds suck, but no one has really made something like this that's just like so hateful. And I really think because of that, because of how hateful it is, it's really something special, you know. That's another thing with the Big Bang Theory. I don't I don't want to talk about it too much because I know a majority of the population, especially like adult swim fans, probably hate that show. No, we can't talk I... about it. Like it's okay. part it's part of this. We can talk about it. Okay. Um I do like the first like handful of episodes before I feel like it gets like even more sanitized and like edgeless as it goes and then it yeah. loses me. But Penny is a character in the Big Bang Theory that like everyone's friends with and everyone respects Penny. If there was like a Penny in the Eltingville club, they like wouldn't even talk to her just on the basis that she's a woman. <laughs> I think that um, one of so one of my fa my favorite part of this comic, and it's something that like really fucking gets to me every time, is like it's it's just such a such a good like series of panels. Is um, Bill is just like throwing a tantrum because he went on the horrible misogynistic rant, and like everyone's leaving, and so in an effort to sort of like turn everyone against each other, he tells Jerry that there was a girl they used to hang out with in high school that stopped talking to him because Bill told her that he was telling everybody that they had sex. And so, like, you kind of, they kind of show Jerry's face, and then there's, like, a single panel of just, like, that girl, and it looks like he's, like, walking home with her or something, and then it just, like, cuts back to, um like, modern day, and Jerry just slugs the absolute shit out of Bill. Like, that moment is so impactful, and I think that um it is something that, like, and, like, Bill says that she was, like, a th when he's getting the shipping out of him, he says that, she, that it was for his own good because she was a threat to the club. And I do think that um, – I do think that we don't really see any women until, like, the last issue of Eltingville. But I do think that there probably were some in the periphery, but I do think they were all driven out or, like, shut off just by, by how awful these nerds are. Because this also goes back to um, something that is also a really big important part of this. I feel like – Anyone with interests like that had interests like we do that kind of think of themselves as like nerds or whatever, they need to read Eltingville and they need to watch the episode of 30 Rock where Liz has her high school reunion before they enter high school. Because um there was an episode of 30 Rock where Liz doesn't want to go back to her high school reunion because she's afraid that she's like, Oh yeah, everyone bullied me in high school. And then you get to the reunion and you find out that she was just like a horrible person to everyone at her school because she, because she thought that they didn't like her and she's just she was like the bully but she's but because she was like you know like the nerdy girl with glasses she thought of herself as like the hero which is, is just the eltingville club so i feel like these are such important pieces of like these are such important pieces of um being a nerd or being like obsessed with this kind of stuff that you have to like sort of reckon with and think about so you don't let these um sort of preconceived like biases like get into your brain and i feel like um but yes this that thing like with um with them not having like a woman in the group you really don't see them enter like i feel like the concept between um the way that nerds have interacted with people and nerds, nerds have interacted with like the internet and with like women especially because you have like the rise of people saying oh she's like a fake gamer girl and stuff like that i feel like that's the kind of topic that evan really wanted to tackle for this final eltingville issue which is why it's all about that because um among, like a lot of the earlier stuff is just like them being douchebag fans like they do like the boba that trivia contest like in this pilot but that last issue is all about like okay what are these guys as adults because as adults like you know you can be in, you can be like a shitty nerdy high schooler and be like oh i can't talk to girls but like as an adult like you are going to interact with women so like how does the eligible club like truly interact with women in their world and it really it's just incredible and also the eligible club like the um the comic ends on a really good note because 
um the the four boys minus jerry's girlfriend like escape into like a ghostbusters car inside the middle of like a riot at comic-con and then they all get into like another fight and then jerry gets out and leaves and then bill like says he never he never liked him and they start like talking about some movie they're remaking and then bill says they'll fuck it up pete yeah um josh they always do and then bill goes I'll still see it though. Pete goes, Oh, sure. And that's how it ends. It's a shot of them just saying that, like in the car, because it is sort of about how they have doomed themselves to this. So, like they hate everything, yet they will never stop watching it. Like these guys are watching, like right now, these guys are watching every single episode of like the Ahsoka TV show. And these guys are going to see like every single Marvel movie, even though they'll, they'll talk about how they hate it every time because they are just trapped in this like endless cycle of fandom. And I feel like that um, just so much of, especially the early 2010 stuff was about like nerd stuff and how cute and quirky it is. But I feel like nothing really has the balls to dive into how like fucked up and disgusting that like nerd culture can be. And I really do think Eltingville shines as something that does that when nothing else really does it. But um we can talk more about this pilot because a lot of it's me talking about the comics but um a lot of the stuff here also is because the thing about it too is eltingville like these guys won you know like everything in life is made for these guys now everything in pop culture is made for these guys like the first thing they say is they're talking about like writing letters to paramount plus to get a or not paramount plus fuck jesus christ writing letters to paramount to get a um captain sulu show made and like that's just something that would exist on paramount plus nowadays you know yeah Something I draw similarities to partially because I'm like looking at the Blu-ray for it. I have it right next to me yeah. is that um some of the conversations they have in Clerks where they talk about like the like if the contracted workers on the Death Star, if they like deserved to die, like how you feel about them being casualties from when it blew up. Some yeah. of the stuff in Clerks like that kind of hits the same where it's not like you can argue whether or not Dante and Randall are terrible people, but they're not painting them as like horrible, like insufferable nerds when they're talking about that kind of stuff. But it's yeah. just the tone of the conversation like reminds me of some of the stuff here. This is very similar. This uh, this is very similar to me um, to Clerks, the animated series. And also some of the fighting reminds me like the fighting on like Mission Hill. Like it's a very similar to Clerks, especially the Clerks animated show. This looks like the Clerks animated series. Um, There's, yeah. So the basically the main event of this is the... Um, they is the trivia contest but they do hit all the points they hit in the because like the comic is a lot of the part a lot of the comic the early like the early stuff in the comic is them hitting like their saturday like like their saturday runs which is like they go to the movie theater they go to toys r us they go to like a fast food place to get fast food toys and then eventually the comic book store so we do see all those locations in here that are like in the comic which i do think is fun to like actually get these in here which i feel like they probably didn't have to but most of this pilot does take place at the comic book store where they find like the 12 inch um boba fett head the 12 inch boba fett figure and they get into like a trivia contest about it and this is also another thing that kind of dates this show is that Boba Fett isn't cool anymore. You know, like Boba Fett had this is before. I mean, this came out 2002. So this is like in the this probably came out right right before Attack of the Clones or right after. But like this is right around the time that Boba Fett, like all his mystery gets taken away by the fucking prequels. And then now we have that like god awful Boba Fett show on Disney Plus, And he's in like a million episodes of whatever, like Clone Wars bullshit like boba fett is not cool anymore and like only like people over 50 are like really into boba fett now like this this i feel like them being so obsessed with boba fett really does date this as like a 90s depiction of nerds but um they they put they reference space ghost in this they refer in the trivia contest they reference space ghost so that's another thing that carries over like space ghost is in perfect hair forever and he's referenced in this and then um mc chris who is all over adult swim and he's in shine cinnamon mc chris is that little kid little blonde kid such a good character design too with his little like tie i love that kid like he's one of the best parts of this pilot for me 
he was really funny i think maybe not necessarily the things he did but the things that happened to him like him getting run over and then getting kicked when he doesn't have any good cards Mm -hmm. and then when he asks i don't remember what his question was but he asks like a really basic question during the trivia contest and he just gets like shoved out of the way for it yeah he's like who played the joker like oh yeah mc chris is so fucking funny like he's such a good voice actor but um did you notice like the guy who was talking to them with like the braces sounded exactly like season one billy Quizboy? yeah i did because like i'm like this is just fucking billy Quizboy. speaking of that the quote on the back of the eltingville club like the collected edition book is from jackson public which i think is really cool which is another adult film connection to it and this collected edition book comes with like a little page about with them talking about like the 2002 pilot and then just a bunch of drawings of like um production drawings of from the pilot which i think is really cool um but yeah like eltingville is just so i feel like the show is very important and i feel like um this even though venture brothers is kind of similar to this venture brothers is like the opposite of this whereas like where doc and jackson made a show about all these nerds but doc and jackson love these nerds like their own children whereas like this is a show about nerds that evan dorkin like truly fucking despises like this is a show about like this is a show that despises its main characters which is like not material for like you know a 10 season long show but i would love to see like if i if I was in charge of Adult Swim and I could commission like any project I wanted. I feel like I would commission like an hour long special. It's just the last two issues of like the comic, like, but animated. Because I feel like that would, it would be such a good thing to see animated. But like this, I don't know. If they could, they could tweak it. They could have made it like more palatable to make it last like longer as more, like, like more of a, um, make it last longer to be more of like a real TV show. But I feel like it, you'd lose some of the magic. But this also, this, like, tricked my brain when I was, like, younger because it's so, like, it's so dark, but also it's not dark in tone. And a lot of it is, like, very bright. Like, the theme song is fucking, like, it's fucking ska music. Like, it's very, like, bright and, like, like, you know, peppy. And it's just, it it doesn't feel like a dark show, even the subject matter and like the motivations by the characters are all like very dark. So it kind of tricks you into thinking it's a show about like these funny little like nerds, you know? And I feel like when I was 15, I didn't pay attention to TV like as much as I or didn't, I didn't think critically about television as much as I do now. I feel like it probably tricked my brain into thinking this is like a, Oh, it's like a funny show about nerds. But now when I'm older, you like, Oh no, they like stole like the, toy from a child at a mcdonald's and like kick the shit out of like the little mc chris kid when he got ran over by a bike because he didn't have any cars they wanted like these guys are monsters in this pilot but um yeah do you have anything else to say about eltingville uh i don't think so it's a good pilot and from what you've said it sounds like an even better comic I think the pilot is really interesting and I think it's really good for what it is. But I do think that the comic is like the com. I think everybody should read the comic at some point in their lives. I feel like the comic is just so, so good. Like it's just something everyone should see once in their lives. But um, yeah, so this was the pilot's DVD. Um, you can still find this. I'm pretty sure. Like if, I think um, if you buy adult a box. yeah buy adult swim in a box in general because that was also one of the things that really got me started on adult swim dvd collecting and this is a great set buy adult swim in a box and you'll get this free with it like it's just it's good it's a it's a it's a good little it's a good little dvd it's a good little set of pilots um they couldn't put gravidians on here because it's too awful and they couldn't put let's fish on here because it's like far too racist but um one yeah. thing Huh? I wish this this is probably just a very me thing. I wish they put penguins behind bars on here because yes. I love that pilot. That should be on here. That really should be on here. Like they have the room for it. That should be on here. Penguin behind bars should be on this fucking disc. Um, we could also do like our own second episode of the pilot. We talk about like penguins behind bars or like fucking um saddle rash, which is like the which is like the lost Lauren show that never was. Lauren Richard show that never was 
like we could do that kind of shit on here at some point but um yeah i got nothing else if you don't have you don't have anything else I don't think I have anything else to say. If you want the Pilots DVD and you don't want to buy Adult Swim in a box, I think people sell Pilots by itself on eBay for like 15 or like $25 because that's how I got mine. Yeah. Um. All right. You can follow us on Twitter at, at OwlsOnlyPod. You can follow me on Twitter at, at MouseFitzGerald. You can follow the Instagram uh, for Adult Swim Merch Archive. Do you want to plug anything, Hunter? Everything he just said times two. I have nothing to plug for myself. All right. So I have no idea what next week's episode is going to be. I'm going to figure out as I go along. But thank you for enjoying the pilots with us. Bye. See ya.